on. I'm just... Greetings to all the listeners of the Aviators podcast. The aviation industry is heavily regulated, as we all know, but little do we know how it is regulated. The laws and regulations set forth by these competent authorities have another layer of people between the aviation organizations and the regulator, which are namely the aviation lawyers, who make sure that the due diligence and compliance of the organization are followed according to the regulator. Today, we have with us Mr. Nitin Sareen. He is the managing partner of Sareen & Co. and holds immense knowledge in the field of aviation law. So firstly, thank you for joining me on this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here. And I I feel that it is uh, my uh, responsibility to have people like you on this podcast. Uh, can you please tell me a little, uh, me and my listeners, a little about yourself and your firm? Uh, absolutely. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to to be here speaking to you today. Thank you. I think uh, you're doing a fantastic job and uh, really opening the eyes uh, you know, for, of thousands of young people who, who want to enter into this field. Right. Um, you know, uh, to start off, I'm just an aviation geek, to be very honest. That's how I started. Yeah. Um, I, we, we used to travel a lot when we were children because my, my father is also a lawyer. Right. And uh, when, when we were younger, you know, the, he used to get summer vacations from court. And okay. if he didn't leave the country or leave the city, he'd be hounded by... Uh, clients all the time right. so uh, it it you know we were we were one of those strange families where we traveled more overseas than we did uh, within in, india in, in the country uh, right. yes so it was always a unique sort of thing that you know a unique advantage i always had and right. and that always came with you know being on a on a 747 being on a 777 right. uh, you know 777s of course were much later I remember, you know, the Boeing 767 uh, fairly often right. and, and, and things like that. So uh, I'm an aviation fanatic from that point of view. Right. Um, as I mentioned, you know, I come from a family of lawyers. So it, it was a bit of a no brainer for me to also choose that, right. that, uh, that field. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, however, uh, think of, you know, learning how to fly, mm-hmm. but I'm red, green, colorblind. So that's a, oh, okay. that's a complete bar, at least for us in India. Right. And and I know I can still, you know, I can still fly in certain countries to right. with certain limitations, etc. But um, I think that that time has has passed. So right. I, I decided to join law school and again, very aimless. I, I was never I was never a very focused, you know, student. I had no interest in academics, etc. And uh, so aviation, you know, I once once I was almost done with my with my career. I managed to, you know, realize that there are course master's degrees in, in air law. Right. So I happened to go do my master's from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, since then, it's just been no looking back. And uh, right. I came back to India. I, I really had no interest in staying overseas. I knew that, you know, this is this was the place to be. Right. Um, but uh, yes, that's that's where I stand now. That's That's a bit of a background and a bit of a background also as to how I got into this field. Right, right. So actually, this uh, kind of answers the first question, which I wanted to know from you, which is, how did you decide to specialize in aviation law? And I think uh, being around airplanes and being in around the aviation industry, and also being in a family of lawyers, uh, it's Mm -hmm. easy to intermix the two. And when you got the opportunity, I think that's the best uh, uh, move that you made. Um, I actually wanted to ask you something uh, uh, related to that. 
do you necessarily need to be closely connected to uh, the aviation industry or do you need to have an experience with aviation industry to be an aviation lawyer or and can any lawyer uh, get into aviation law so uh, you see any any lawyer can get into this field of law um, getting the the masters which i did helps mm-hmm. um, but you know it's it's aviation is such a is such a unique industry that you know before you learned how to fly i'm sure you know you must have had some interest in in aviation sure, you know sure. it's not something that was just thrown at you right so it's very similar to this field you have uh, two types of lawyers either the first type who are thrown into the you know into the arena of of air law and mm-hmm. they have no other previous experience and they learn on the job right or you have the second type which is like myself and my team who you know we we understand aviation you know we understand the the uh, physics of it and you know that helps to a large extent so yes it you do need a little bit of background right uh, it certainly does help to keep the interest there otherwise right. you know if you have someone who is not interested in aviation then you know for them it it's extremely boring yeah, yeah. right right so i think all it takes is if you're a lawyer and if you're uh, interested in understanding aviation uh, i think that's enough for you to get into aviation law yeah oh, ab- absolutely i mean some of the some of these lawyers i've seen from new york and from london right. who specialize in this field you know they they are negotiating very very technical terms with uh, right. on behalf of their clients Right. uh you know they they know the the nitty gritties of of aviation and of an aircraft etc so right. that's very impressive right. which uh, which traditionally in india we've kept away from you know lawyers are not known to to know that technical information but yeah right uh, right, right um that's great sir actually i mean this is uh, coming from a point of view where a lot of my friends just recently passed out of uh, law school so mm-hmm. uh, when i told them that i am i want i want to do this conversation with you they in fact asked me uh, if we are interested in aviation how does this work like can uh, is there a way of just being a lawyer and being interested in aviation to practice and understand aviation law so this is not just for you know i'm asking for the general public who listen to this also but also for my close friends who are into this field right uh-huh. but right. Uh, yeah so thank you for that answer it's a pretty uh, solid and comprehensive answer but uh, one more thing which i personally would want to understand is um, now we have airlines and aviation organizations in the aviation industry correct um, do they have a legal department of their own or do they do they ha- you know contract this legal work to some other other departments or other uh, companies like yours so um, you see it really depends on the size of the airline okay. but uh that's more of the exception than the rule the rule is that each airline usually does have its own uh legal team right and you know they they are highly specialized folks who who will be looking into all the different branches of air law which i'm sure we'll we'll discuss later right. um in this episode but um yes they 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 have a lot of lawyers who are in house mm-hmm. and in fact those are the lawyers i was talking about who who gain a lot of experience on the job Oh. you know you could you could pass a uh, pass out of a national law school in india and on any law school you know there's in my opinion there's no difference but um, you know and if that's one of your first jobs you are going to end up having to learn on the job job oh, right so uh, but yes virtually every airline has its own legal team and and a very very sophisticated legal team 
Um, okay. I know uh, at least uh, the Indian airlines have have very very competitive lawyers and and very you know in law you have to be pushy and you have to get your point across. Right. And you know in India some of our airlines have some of the most fantastic lawyers. Right. You know they they can they uh, you know negotiate commercially legally whichever way you know right. the company wants them to. Right. Um. So sir, uh, now that we are talking about you know lawyers uh, in these airlines. What kind of compliance and due diligence do they have to do uh, when they are handling an airline? Is it kind of the same uh, due diligence that they do in a commercial uh, firm or commercial company, or is it something different? Um, you see, it's a um, it's a that's that's a bit of a wide question. So if you're if you're working with an airline, mm-hmm. you um, you'd probably be doing very run of the mill day to day sort of work. Whether you know you're dealing with the the DGCA, for right. example, or you are, you know, dealing with other angles uh, with the RBI, for example, right. because of foreign exchange issues, right. or, um, you know, you, you'd be dealing with aircraft leasing companies, negotiating right. those terms of those lease agreements. So it's a whole gamut um, of, of due diligence and work, which these guys have to carry out. Right. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's very wide and, and do bear in mind, airlines are only one cog in the machine. Right. You see, we have we have this this uh, this notion that airlines are you know they are the main uh, entities in in aviation. But you'll be surprised. There's so many others who right. you know if they weren't there, airlines would just not be, be able, able to function. function. Right. Correct. Right. Um, so, sir, uh, in uh, now we are. I want to get into something which your firm does, which is uh, leasing and uh, leasing of airplanes. Right. So, in terms of leasing. Can you give us like a overview of how international deals happen in commercial and private aircraft leasing and what does Sareen and Co specifically, uh, what kind of role do you guys play in these transactions? So, uh, yeah, so, so an aircraft lease, let's say for an A320 or a 737, mm-hmm. uh, world over is fairly standard. You okay. know, there are not very many changes that uh, are, you know, happen from one lease to the other. But it's the smaller nitty gritties which are, you know, negotiated. So, uh, you know, for example, what happens if, uh, you know, the the airline doesn't pay for X amount of time. So you can be arguing on a point that, you know, uh, in case for some other reason, the airline can't pay, then the airline will want, you know, 40 days grace period to make that payment without calling a, you know, without a default happening. So, you know, it's, it's things like that. You can, you negotiate events of default. You know, right. what, under what circumstance can the leasing company terminate uh, the lease agreement and take back its aircraft? Right. Um, so, they're, they're, um, you know, that even though it's very standard, you will go through all those clauses and you will negotiate them. So, a lessor, when he hands over a lease agreement to an airline, it will usually be favoring the lessor. Then right. the airline, you know, pushes back and then, so everyone sits, you know, in the olden days, olden days, meaning pre-COVID, uh, people would, people would sit across the table and negotiate those terms one by one. Right. Now it's all done electronically, but um, that's, that's what happens. And, and we come in from the point of view where uh, our clients who are leasing companies or banks will send us these agreements mm-hmm. and want us to review them from an Indian law perspective, you know, because they're all international parties. So they don't know what our law states, right. you know, they, they don't know what happens in case there's a, a bankruptcy order against an airline. What happens? You know, we have to advise them and all of those right. steps. 
So um, even though financing and leasing is one aspect, we do a lot of regulatory work. So we are at the, the DGCA almost every day. Really? But um, in, in this aspect uh, of financing and leasing, that's what we do. So we, we step in and we can even, you know, we are called in to negotiate certain terms with the, with the Indian parties. So um, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting field to be in because all our clients are, are, are foreign companies. So right. it really feels like we, we're working overseas because yeah. the Indians are the, are the counterparties most of the time. So. Right, right. Um, so, so uh, you mentioned DGCA now. DGCA being our regulatory uh, authority, uh, and you also said that you deal with a lot of other, you know, foreign entities. Um, mm-hmm. What goes on into dealing with different regulatory bodies? And can you tell us, like, one of your experience um, of dealing with uh, one such regulatory body, uh, which you would remember from a legal perspective? Um, I think it's. Um... Dealing with any regulatory body is, it's, I wouldn't say it's challenging, but you have to be very sensitive of, um, you know, what environment you're in. Right. So, you know, you, number one, I'll just take the DGCA, for example, they are a fantastic bunch of officers. Right. The problem is a lot of the time they have so much work because there's, you know, there's one officer who's handling, you know, a hundred different things. things right. So uh, getting their attention, um, you know, is once you get their attention, you have to be quick, you have to be, you know, concise, and right. you have to make your point. And you in that same span of time, you have to answer any questions that they that they may have. Right. So um, I think for me, the most memorable, um, two or three memorable experiences I've had, it's probably between having aircraft deregistered, you know, okay. if there was a default scenario, that was that's fun, because um, it's fun, because it's challenging, of course, overall, it's a bit morose, but it's, it's fun. Uh, from that perspective. Secondly was when we applied for the operating permit for an airline uh, to restart operations into India uh, right. about two years ago. Right. That was that was very challenging. We submitted over 10,000 pages, uh, A4 size pieces of paper to the DGCA. Right. So uh, that was fun. That was fun. But overall, no complaints. I, I, I'm grateful of them for their hard work in these That's trying fun. times. Um, so, and uh, now that uh, we are dealing with, uh, you know, uh, legal, legal proceedings and procedures that airlines have in their system, uh, how does an airline or an organization, aviation organization, protect itself from, say, frivolous or nuisance creating consumer cases in terms of litigation? Well, that's a, that's a very difficult one. That's a very difficult one because um, airlines spend and waste a lot of time and money on on defending these frivolous frivolous claims yeah. but at the same time they have to defend them because if one case goes undefended then it becomes what they call precedent right. that it becomes binding on all subsequent cases so they they usually have to fight uh, um, tooth and nail for uh, you know what's right uh, in a lot of circumstances cases may be settled you know we work for a few international airlines who you know they, they, they realize that there's so, the court proceedings take so long and, you know, you can go up to the Supreme Court um, this, in yeah. a case that it just doesn't make sense for them, you know, and, and ticket values are not that high to justify, right. you know, going to court. So either you may not have adequate representation because the value is so low mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, you just end up settling. So it's, it's a difficult one for airlines. I must say it's a, it's a very difficult one. And, and I, I, give my full kudos to the consumer teams. Teams, right. 
Um, and sir, now that we are dealing with a pandemic, I have to ask this question to you. Um, due to this pandemic, uh, many airlines have suffered so many major losses. Uh, some airlines might also be on the verge of insolvency, right? So what are the challenges in handling uh, insolvency proceedings of such a large entity like an airline? How does that work uh, for the lawyers? Well, see that, that it depends whose perspective you're looking at it from, whether you're looking at it from the airline's perspective or you're looking at the, um, unfortunately, if an airline has, has reached such an advanced stage that proceedings have started against them, right. uh, then that usually is an indicator that they, they, they'll be able to take little or no decisions on their own. So okay, right. um, that's what we saw. That's what we saw with jet airways. So what our insolvency law says is that um, in case an application for insolvency is is admitted by the by the court or the tribunal, then what they call a, a resolution professional or an interim resolution professional right. is appointed who essentially is there to take over the affairs of the company. company right. So he he replaces the, the board, he replaces everyone and he's, you know, he's the one who's there who's essentially the caretaker of the company. Right. So once that happens, it becomes fairly difficult for um, an airline to um, basically coordinate you know, right. for example, Jet Airways was very lucky that they, they found uh, a resolution professional who, who understood aviation, you know, because right. my fear was that a lot of people will not understand how, how aviation works. works so right. that in itself, you know, is, a, is such a niche area that, uh, uh, that, that it works. But if now arguing it from arguing or giving you the point of view of a creditor or someone who's owed money by the airline, uh, that's a whole different ballgame. So, right. um, so it's it's fairly complex, but yeah. it's insolvency proceedings are the last, 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 last uh, resort which any right. airline, uh, last situation an airline would want to find itself in. Right. Um, that being said, sir, I think uh, I don't want to get into uh, specific airlines or specific authorities, um, but uh, just a generic question. Uh, uh, which I want to ask you is uh, what advice would you give to a young aviator who is interested in understanding legal side of aviation and a young and aspiring lawyer who takes keen interest in aviation from both sides? Well, I would say is um, don't put all your baskets, all your eggs in one basket. For, right. for the aviators, especially, I think, it's such a volatile industry. Um, you know, my best friends are all pilots. You know, some right. of them have been flying since they were 16. They don't even drive a car. You know, they don't know how to drive a car uh, yeah. and they're flying a 777. So um, it's, uh, I, I kind of compare you guys as cricketers right. that, you know, you have to, have to, have to have a backup um, in case, you know, there's some injury or you're medically unfit. Right. And and not because not because there's any you know lack of ability on on behalf of pilots, but you know there's so many involuntary things that could happen, happen right. which could disentitle you to uh, operate an aircraft. So um, that would be my one piece of advice for aviators. Um, uh, for for uh, lawyers who are getting into this field, again, my only piece of advice would be is. Enter it only if you have interest in it. Otherwise, you'll find it boring. You won't want to proceed and right. you'll just make uh, your employer unhappy. You'll make yourself even, you know, unhappier. Right. Uh, so really those, those would be my, 
small tips even though you know that it's just the first thing that came to my mind right um so uh, i mean the reason why i asked you this is because my the only interaction i had with uh, uh the legal side and the law colleges is as i said a bunch of my friends are stud- were studying law back then one of them came to me asking me uh, about uh, to create uh, asking me to create a case for their moot court uh, whatever they this competition that they do in right. terms of legal uh, perspective and something happens in the aircraft so he wanted some technical advice from my side and me being i've right. studied aviation engineering so i was able to give him a lot of information but then he stopped me at a certain point because he said i don't want you to get so much into the technicals because i don't want the technicals to overpower the legal side of it so right. um, that was my only interaction and i actually had a lot of fun in it because uh, i didn't i didn't know how legal side works and i got to know from him how this thing this whole industry works uh, right but, that that uh, so this uh, i i agree at, at, you know at this juncture i like to share with you and you know what we do on an annual basis with one of our uh, one of our clients right so there's a, again i'm not taking names as a very very large southeast asian uh, international carrier and uh, what they do every year is they have an actual simulation um of an air crash oh. and uh, it's absolutely fantastic because they are, you know they have to get all their vendors into place so there's a a big law firm from london who's coordinating with us right. london's coordinating with southeast asia and you know they literally have all the airways charted out they know exactly where uh you know the aircraft went down the the one we did earlier this year was a case where the aircraft went down somewhere near nagpur oh, so okay. they actually had given us you know the waypoints and um and we we were required to show our ability to get in touch with a lawyer on the ground make right. sure you know they'd be like oh now uh, the captain is alive now the indian authorities want to take him in for questioning right can they question him and what sort right. of questions can they ask, ask etc yeah. so Uh, that's the real real time sort of thing that we actually do so it's a lot of fun yeah is the is this is this just a, a competition that you guys enter or is it an actual uh, thing because if it is no. uh, so that is so this is a this is a mock drill which okay. the airline carries out oh okay okay so, so they they yeah. carry out this drill so that they know uh, that you are uh, always on your feet basically exactly Okay. exactly and and to make sure that you know that uh, you know who to contact and you know what laws they are so we were literally getting for i think it it's only an hour but it's uh, that's the most intense hour because you i think we got about 62 emails in that one hour so that's how how much right. pressure we were getting getting that's right. slightly different from the the air law moot court that we organize every year yeah. which is a which is more like what your friend did where right. you know you have a a a a mock case and then you have to argue for and against etc right. we do that also we organize the only competition in the world with uh, leiden university in the netherlands right. so we do that uh, annually yeah that uh, why i wanted to know about this is because i would be definitely interested in at least attending because i i don't know how much i will understand from the legal side but just to right. know how how things work when things go to court uh and how lawyers talk that's a that's right. something which very few uh people would have witnessed basically uh correct but uh, that's i think that basically covers all the all the uh basic stuff that i wanted to know from you and uh, uh 
I would just like to thank you because this is uh, immense knowledge gain for me and whoever listens to this. Uh, so thank you so much for giving me your time. Uh, and I hope that I get to work on the legal side. I hope I'm never a part of the <laughs> case, but <laughs> I get to work and understand yeah. how uh, the legal side of aviation works. And uh, I, I wish to keep continuing doing this kind of work and this kind of talks with people. So uh, if there are any parting uh, uh, thoughts that you would like to say to everyone who listens to this podcast, you can go ahead. No, I think, uh, thank you very much for, for having me. I think this has been fantastic. And uh, nothing, I think uh, just a small message to everyone. Just just work hard, work honestly. Um, I think our country is at a, at a stage where we need a turnaround and this is the right time to do it. So um, I think uh, that's that's what we need. We need a lot of dedicated younger people to take charge. Right. And uh, if we don't do it, then who will? So Right. Um, All right. Okay, sir. Thank you so much for uh, uh, coming on the podcast. And uh, I hope we have uh, uh, another podcast episode with you where we discuss something uh, much more in detail. And uh, But then for now, this is, this is great. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. And I'll see you soon. Take care, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir.